Everybody, we're back, 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 back. Again, 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 again. <laughs> For scaring is sharing. I don't know what any of that was. It is the forum where we get together, talk about scary things. We share experiences and such with each other and all of you. And you share them with us sometimes. Yeah. Should I break that up again? I was going to say, it's the forum where the quorum gets together. <laughs> I do remember that the forum and the quorum get together to discuss scary movies. Yes. And scary things. Scary things, I guess, in general. Sometimes we stretch the definition. I was literally thinking about that recently about some movies that aren't necessarily explicitly horror movies, but adjacent enough that I could start putting in the list. Because, you know, sometimes I want to experiment a little bit about what I'm going to expose you to. So, But first, tell the people who you are. Who who am I? Who who am I? I'm a man, a simple man, that just loves to watch. I'm Jeremy Rusk, the original Sasquatch Slim. And I'm a very complicated, flamboyant man. Brandy Joe, the flaming scream queen, plan back. And we just like to watch horror movies scary movies and whatever and and, you know speaking to what you were just saying like i've always wanted to see i mean that's a strong word want but (laughs) i i would like to see we need to talk about kevin which comes up in my horror chat room on facebook a lot because and i found out something about it this past week that i did not know and i'm like how have i gone all this time not knowing this and i was so close to watching it and not knowing a Mm. particular aspect about it have you seen it no, no, okay. I've I've just always heard. Well, I wouldn't say always heard, but uh, it comes up every once in a while in like film groups. I I read stuff from and I'm part of on like social media, uh, and I I don't know anything special about it. I just know some people hate it and some people like really think it's this hidden gem. So yeah, I've heard it's very disturbing. I love me some Tilda Swinton. So mm-hmm. and then Tilda's- Joe. Yeah, one of my favorites. So good. And then Joe showed me a thing on Facebook. I mean, on Instagram. I've never been able to find it since, but it's like, we need to talk about Bruno. And it like is looks like, because you know that song from Encanto? Okay. We no. don't talk about Bruno. You don't? It was number no. one. It was like the first Disney song to like reach number one or something like that. Which is I heard insane. about it. Haven't listened to it. Because so. it's, it's, it's weird because it's like totally a show tune as opposed to something like Let It Go where it feels very poppy. Yeah, like a pop know? song. And it never, re- Let It Go never reached number one. But we don't talk about Bruno dead. And it's just, mm-hmm. it's just shocking to me. It, the whole thing is, it's a great song and it's very catchy. It's very good. I love Encanto. It's a fantastic film. But anyway, there is this funny meme that's like, we need we need to talk about Bruno or something. And it's like the we need to talk about Kevin Poster, but with Encanto oh, characters. Okay. Whatever. It's lost. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I know nothing about Encanto. Do you In not certain- watch Disney movies at all? Not really, unless like okay. something like I know the old I know old shit. I just don't keep up on like new stuff they're doing. I I feel like if I had small children, that would be very different, but I do not. So did you ever watch Darby O'Gill and the little people like super old school Disney? I remember the the banshee. 
my my uh my mom loved that one so i loved uh, that one too and the band she used to scare me i tried to like rewatch it and i'm like this is horrible but as a kid it scared the crap out of me i want to revisit their speaking of disney horror movies uh there was one uh from my childhood called mr boogity mm. uh and it scared the crap out of me and i see that it's on disney plus so i'm like okay. i should see i should rewatch this and see how cheesy it is now it's like a family move into a haunted house and there's like a boogeyman type guy uh okay. haunting it but yeah it, i remember it was like a disney uh made for tv like saturday afternoon thing so and i know we like touched on it but have you seen watcher in the woods like the og long time ago and i just remember it being crazy yeah there's a remake that melissa joan hart directed that's not good mm. then there is this one that's i can't i think that's on youtube i think i watched it at one point but called child of glass from mm. when i was a kid and it's like one of those 70s disney horror movies as well it's about like this ghost girl and she's like in a well and she talks to this little boy and the boy has like this like quirky nerdy like friend who's like in love with him like this girl and, and i used to love that movie i watch it all the time i remember it takes place in like the south i think there's like um I don't know, like a uh, like a quinceanera, but like in the south, what is that called? Uh, like a oh, like a uh, party. Uh, yeah, exactly. I keep going like, to decadence, and that's not it. <laughs> no, I want to say uh, debutante. Yes, like a debutante ball. There's like some yep. aspect of like that to it, and like big dresses. She's like a ghost from like long, long ago. Yeah, but that's a great one. If anyone out there remembers Child of Glass, please write and tell me because I used to watch it all the time. Yeah, I, yeah, they they had some good shit back then for you know kids. Yeah, they don't uh, really do like the scary thing anymore. No, they don't do the scary because I remember, you know, you had Watcher in the Woods and uh, something wicked this way comes. Right, that was and, Disney, yeah. Yeah, and the Mr. Boogities. And uh, I, I think it kind of fizzled out because there were some, when I was like in middle school, uh, they were still doing those on like the Disney channel because there was what that one was uh, Don't Look Under the Bed. That one freaked me out where the kids mm. like uh, it's another boogeyman one where the monster under the bed and blah, blah, blah. And the kids have to like stop the monster. I feel like there's what was it like Phantom of the Cineplex or something. It was like a movie theater Phantom of the Opera riff. Like I remember these being like a lot of fun and like oh spooky, but I'm sure they're terrible now as an adult. Mm -hmm. But I feel like that's where it fizzled out like end of the 90s. Yeah, now it's all like Nickelodeon and those channels have like taken these on. Yeah, they do that kind of stuff much yeah. more. Do you know, I read this week about this show from the that the Seattle Rep is doing, this theater company out in, shockingly, Seattle. And it's called Bruce. Do you have any idea what it's about? Bruce Willis. Nope. Oh, okay. Invading a sleepy fishy island off Cape Cod to shoot on an open ocean, he battled weather, water, hostile locals, an exploding budget, endless delays, and a highly dysfunctional mechanical star named Bruce. Based ah! on the Jaws log by Carl Gottlieb, this world premiere musical takes you behind the scenes of the world's first summer blockbuster. Cool. Doesn't that sound cool? A musical, so a musical about, about the, the making, making of Joss. Of Joss. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, I, and I just read that uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, after doing his West Side Story adaptation, says he won't do another musical. So it's like, oh, man. He should adapt that stage play about his own movie into a full into a full blown movie. That would be cool. Yeah, but if any of our listeners are out in Seattle, please go see it. It plays May twenty seventh through June twenty sixth. I would love to hear about it. I'm ex so far they just the only person in it 
that's been announced is uh, a person named Jared Spector who's playing Steven Spielberg. So oh, all right. I'm very intrigued to follow this as it goes up into production. I hope there's some videos. It looks like a really fancy like theater company. So I'm hoping there will be like cool videos and things like that. Yeah, Cause and, I want to check a, it out. And a big fake shark. on stage. And a big fake shark. Like how are they going to fucking do that? I'm yeah, so excited. That. Yeah. I mean, you know, Broadway pulled off King Kong. So I'm sure they, oh my could, God. they could do something cool with it. And the shark doesn't have to work right. Cause that's built into the stories that he never worked properly. So it can be janky. So yeah, I heard that King Kong was not great, but it sure looked fucking cool. Like, yeah. I heard, I heard it was looked amazing. I heard it was not a good uh, story, but like the, the, the Kong itself was incredible is what everybody yeah. said. So yeah, like puppets, but not like Lion King puppets. Like it looked more realistic, but yeah. it was so cool. I mean, the Lion yeah. King is like brilliant and it's in its own way, but like, you know, that you could definitely, I, and I'm about to go back and watch some videos. Cause I just did a, a little like quiz at my work. There was, it was like sports against musicals and me and this guy like went head to head. Like he's like a big sports guy. I'm a big theater guy. So we yeah. gave each other quizzes. I won. I got four out of the eight questions, right? He got three of them, right? But one of my questions was which of these movies has not been adapted into a movie musical. And King Kong was one of them. And, uh -huh. and everyone was like, King Kong's a musical. And I was like, Oh my God, I had to show you a video. So yep. I'm going to dig and it up. Speaking of that, I think we should announce that we are going to create the Godzilla musical uh, and have a big Godzilla puppet on stage. And I think Godzilla should sing. For sure. That's what will set ours apart. Now, um, Jackass Forever is out on Paramount Plus or wherever. Do you have Paramount Plus? I do. Well, you're going to have to watch it because you have to watch that beginning Dick Kaiju. Yeah. Okay, sweet. I'm going to, I got to check that out. Yeah, you definitely have to. And report That's that. what I love about in some way it kind of i know there's so many arguments that it like destroys the magic of going to the cinema uh but i do like now that these big release movies like after a month they immediately get shuffled to a streaming service by the distributor so it's like if i miss it in theaters i'll catch it on streaming real quick so 100 percent. i love that too it's, it's not like the old days where if you missed the theater run you had to wait forever before it was available anywhere else and if you missed it you missed it and you know got it spoiled by everybody else that saw it yep nope it's a matter of months now like what is it like two months max that you have yeah. to wait for something if that like warner brothers shortened their window to a month okay. where like i was just reading a thing where the new batman you know just came out uh and it's going to be on HBO Plus, like in a couple of weeks, mid-April, it'll be okay. on HBO Plus or HBO Max. So it's like, wow, <laughs> that is very fast. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited. So um, we had an assignment. Yeah, a little assignment that, that we gave each other. Yeah, a secret assignment, a little extra movie for you guys. <laughs> Yeah, because we, Brett Wheat, your buddy, and how do you know him? Did you go to high school with him? I know him from high school. Okay. He is a director and he's also like a photographer. He does headshots. I looked at his website. He's very, just a jack of all trades, jack off yes. of all trades. He just seems so talented. He's a full on camera guy. Like he, he knows his shit. Yeah, and he's beautiful too. Oh, but anyway, Brett. But Brett is also a very talented filmmaker and mentioned in his telegram to us last week about his film Conduit that's on Amazon Prime. Mm -hmm. So we said we were going to go on and watch it. And did you get a chance to watch it? I watched it. 
I watched it too last night. It was Ooh. very good. It's about 25, 26 minutes long. I knew a few people in it, which was also very exciting. Uh-huh. <laughs> I knew the dad, Bart Bund, and then I knew the therapist. I think um, Janine Thompson, I want to say is her name. I just saw her in uh, Marjorie Prime at an open book theater company where your wife has worked yep. often. Mm-hmm. And then a couple of the other people looked familiar. The girlfriend looked familiar. I know she's friends with my friend Chrissy Becker. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely some people looked familiar familiar so what did you know about this movie going in well first off i know you blew it and said it was great because i wanted some setup and i was gonna be like brett it was a piece of shit and you should (laughs) to mess with brett because that's who we are to each other but (laughs) i only said what i thought of it i didn't say what you thought of it i guess i could it's terrible brett you should feel no no brett It, it good work i actually hung out with brett last night <laughs> Did uh, you? in person yep uh, and i told him i feel terrible because i'm like i'm your good friend and i never <laughs> watched your movie that what you the fuck? made like forever ago i know and he was like what the fuck man but we we're yeah uh but i watched it uh and i really enjoyed it uh why isn't also, he out in la like making big things he's very I know, right like this thing is totally like I want to see him get something bigger. I shouldn't uh, have worded sure. that in a judgmental way because you can be wherever you want doing whatever the, you want. You love. So I sh- I'm not like only LA is the only place for talented people, but I just yeah. like I thought it was very well done and I was very intrigued by it. I especially by the aspect that says this is based on like a true story or whatever, like I'm like to what degree? Yeah. I I know <laughs> it's just like the concept. Um, okay. They though that's a real job people like work for like search engines and tech companies about oh. content and they literally have to watch like uh is this acceptable or do i have to flag this because it's child pornography and stuff like that like that gets shared everywhere so okay like, so yeah if you haven't watched it that's essentially what it's about and, and you these, should watch it so we don't want to give too much away yeah too much away but yeah these people suffer from ptsd from yeah so it's essentially about like job. Yeah, like like checking out content. And I like that there's very little spoken about the job. He's just in it, and you just sort of have to put together what he's doing. There isn't yep. like a big, like someone saying, here's what the job is, and here's what you're going to be doing. Like he sort of figures it out, and we sort of figure it out along with him, with our lead. I thought yeah. that was so cool because, like, I talk about a lot on here. I really hate being explained i hate being told what's going on i just want to experience it and i loved that aspect of it so much i thought that it was so cool how you just had to sort of put it together yourself yeah it was a very tightly wound showing not telling which is like the number one rule of screenwriting show don't tell um and all i have to also give credit where credit is due this was co-written by our other like one of our best buds, Sean Tarmina. Sean! Uh, Sean, who I've known even longer than Brett. Like, we were pre- literal, literal children when I met Sean. Not even teenagers. So, um, known literal him. Literal children? Literal children. So, wow. I've known him for essentially another lifelong friend. So, uh, I will shout out. I'm very lucky to have a lot of friends that are still very close in my life that I've known, like, my whole life now. So. But yeah, it is really good. And again, it's a short little watch, about 25 minutes. You will definitely yeah. be intrigued. Amazon Prime, which like, who doesn't have Amazon Prime? Yep, it's, it's really, it's really good. Good shit. And I hope it's a calling card for Brett. Like, I hope you're using this thing to see like, look what I can do. And I hope somebody sees that and is like, oh, okay. Like, here's a nice budget to, to do this thing. Like, I hope that I hope you can use that as a launching board. And also Alan yeah. Longstreet, who is like his boss is like a weatherman, isn't he? Is he? 
I think he's like a local weatherman because I was like, this guy looks so familiar. I think he's yeah, like he a local look, weatherman. Okay, he did look really familiar. <laughs> right on. But if you're looking for it, there are quite a few conduits. I don't remember if on Amazon Prime there was. I knew going into it what the poster looked like, so I'll just describe it to you and maybe we'll put it up on our Instagram as well. It's mm-hmm. sort of like pinkish with like a blue writing of like conduit and it's like like sort of not quite neon, but like almost pastel pinks and blues. So if you're looking for the version, and again, mm-hmm. it's about 20 five minutes long brett wheat is the director's name and jeremy's friend so Mm -hmm. please check it out it is really cool and if you're from the detroit area you'll most likely recognize some people in it too which was always a fun thing especially when it's a good little film and you don't have to be like no that was great it looked like you guys were having a lot of fun making it (laughs) when you truly enjoy it so and also, uh, our buddy Dennis was in there. I saw him. He's literally in the background of a scene. Uh, and he's also out of focus. <laughs> and I was like, but that's Dennis. I know, I know, I know that silhouette anywhere. That's him. So. That's awesome. Well, Brett, thanks for the recommendation. And if anyone else listening out there is a filmmaker or in a film, we'd love to know. We love that to we support. We want to see your shit. Yeah, we do. Send it to us. Yeah. Uh, so since Brett wrote in last week, we have a couple telegrams this week. Do you want to kick us off? I will. Coming from my brother, Bert. Bert. Uh, and the subject line is, they're coming to get you, Barbara. Mm. Uh, and it goes, walkers, biters, ghouls, freaks, zeds, or as Jay calls them, slack jaws. Uh, <laughs> And I have to give credit to that. That's actually from, there's a comic book series, The Goon, uh, that feature, it's kind of like a pastiche of horror and gangster and f- like film noir references. It's like an okay. awesome like mix of shit. But zombies are like the recurring like henchman villain throughout it. And the main characters call them slack jaws whenever they <laughs> see zombies. So fun I stuff. I like it. Uh, anyway, they go by many names out there, and there is, but there is only one true name for them: zombies. One of the great cornerstones of horror is the zombie film. There have been so many of them; it's hard to keep track. I remember a time when it felt like every other movie coming out was a zombie movie. I remember that uh-huh. uh, early two thousands, there early to late two thousands. Uh, it's funny when you think about how the growth of the zombie genre mirrors their role in the films. They're everywhere, TV shows, books, video games, even ads, the ever-growing horde. It's truly poetic when you think about how zombies are supposed to represent consumerism. I will admit that zombies have been in my mind lately. For some reason, springtime always puts me in the mood for zombie movies. I have no idea why. Uh, In particular, it puts me in the mood to watch the OG 1968 Night of the Living Dead, one of the most important horror films of all time, in my opinion. It changed how horror movies were made and how movies were rated. Uh, It was a reflection of the time it was made. Vietnam War, civil rights movement, consumerism, zombie movies are always a reflection of the time they are made. I have been wondering what type of zombie movies are we going to get because of COVID and the politics of the last few years? Are we going to see a movie where there is an elected official on TV telling everyone the zombies will magically go away only for them to be attacked by one on live TV? Uh, What is the ideal zombie movie for you guys? Or should I say, what would you like to see in one? Also, when are we going to have a movie night where it is the three of us? Because I can name a few movies to show Brandy Joe, <gasps> like Heroes Shed No Tears or the Street Fighter movies. Oh. Um, yeah, so 
that was what I thought about like for the, po- Oh, first off. Yeah. My brother's like, I want to be on the podcast at some point. So future. Yeah. Possible oh my guest. God. Slumber party. I want a slumber party. Yeah. And heroes. Yeah. That'd be awesome. Uh, heroes shed no tears is my brother showed it to me. Uh, and you're going to dig part of this story. Uh, Cause he has it like on Blu-ray. It's John Woo's first movie. And John okay. Woo is the, you know, the, famous action movie director but he did that one in when he was still in hong kong based out of hong kong so it's like this weird mix of it's about these mercenaries that end up in like vietnam and trying to save some guy and fighting some rogue like military dudes except the the amount of violence in it feels like one of the italian like zombie movies or something like that where it's like this action war movie but the gore in it like and some of the gags they do with that feels like they were borrowing heavily from like horror movies so it sits in this weird place where you're like i don't know what genre this thing is but it launched john woo's career uh and the blu-ray has like one of those little booklets in it with uh, Mm -hmm. essays about the movie and there's this big long essay written by grady hendrix about the movie grady hendrix yeah and i read that name and i was like brandy joe loves him so apparently grady hendrix is also a huge like he loves like kung fu and Asian action movies. Interesting. Yeah, because the Street Fighter films again are, and those are a Japanese series of uh, like action martial arts movies. But again, like the gore they put in them is just like this is not what you associate with those types of movies where they like are doing this horror movie level violence that I think they were you know doing that to stand out in the market and be like uh, cater to those people. So I feel like Grady Hendrix is gonna be the new Stephen King. It just hasn't happened yet, and I don't know when it's gonna, but like, I feel yeah. like once they start making the movies of his books, I think he's gonna take off. Yeah, and Grady Hendrix, too, like, because, uh, you know, he's known by uh, the, for his horror novels. For sure, yeah. But he also is, like, a film critic, like, almost, like a, mm. like a scholar, because he writes, like, he's got a book coming out soon that's about kung fu movies and the history oh. of, like, kung fu movies. Uh, so I'm like, okay, like, Stephen King, but even more diverse that he's writing in multi like very different genres fiction and also like straight up like scholarly analytical stuff so cool uh, what a what a well-rounded writer yeah i still haven't read because i'm not big into vampires even though i typically enjoy anything i watch with vampires but he has that it's like a southern vampires guide to whatever i don't know there's yeah. like an orange with like f- claw bite marks yeah. in it and yep. then um my best friend's exorcism which the movie of that is coming out with Elsie fisher and then there's the the book about the um haunted ikea yep and and then the new one um the final girls support group which i think that's being turned into a film uh, so, or a tv series i'm not or sure a tv which. series oh, okay I think. i'm not sure which i thought it was either a mini series or a, okay maybe it's a movie i can't remember but but going back to your brother's email so so much has been done with zombies and where i always get intrigued again with them is when something new happens like with 28 days later or train to busan even though they're similar and what they did that like the zombies were like fast and like scarier than they were before but like so much has been done with zombies like warm bodies which i haven't seen but i've heard is pretty good it's like a love story with zombies Mm -hmm. auto or up with dead people's like a gay zombie movie I feel like the only way I'm going to, I'm not that I won't see a zombie film again, because you'll probably give me one and I'll watch it. And I, again, like vampires, I will probably like it, but I don't, I'm not drawn to them immediately, but I feel like some sort of subversion on the genre again is like, like where if you want to be a zombie or like Bert is saying like that, the zombies like are 
reminiscent of something like they were with Dawn of the Dead, where it's like consumerism and, and things yeah. like that, like that they represent something different. And mm -hmm. but I think that whole subversion, like you want to be a zombie as opposed to running from the zombies, like I think that's where it's got to go next. And I bet it's been done because everything's been done. But yeah. I think it's I think it's just some sort of fl flipping it on its head. Yeah, I, I, yeah, one, like he said, I am fascinated to see what movies are going to start doing with COVID because we really haven't seen that yet, but it's like, it's part of our reality now, people, like we're just got to live with it. It happened. Um, so I give it a few years because I think right now it's too early because people just don't want to hear about that in their media. But in a few years, some younger people will start coming up and there'll be some more explicit, I think. Just be creative with it, please. Yeah, exactly. But now back to like zombies the few things i'd like to see is um honestly you know i knew a lot of people are like uh this movie sucks blah 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 army of the dead zack snyder's newest one one thing yeah. i liked in there though was he started doing some more there was some explicitly more science fiction elements and fantastical stuff happening with the zombies and i appreciated that like they were smart zombies and they had a society and there was like all kinds of extra little threads coming up with the zombies that i'm like oh cool like expound on that i'd like to see more of that um, but more specifically, the things I thought of is one zombies in space or like some sort of science fiction <laughs> thing, like on a spaceship. I know it's been done, but like do it again and you know, more of it, uh, something like that, like put them in crazy settings, you know, on another planet or like star Wars, but with zombies, like something like that, like mash it with another genre or property. I'd like to see that. Another idea I had too was like 28 days later, people argue that it's not truly a zombie movie. It's this other thing because blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I like those kind of things where I thought of the Simpsons episode where they go to Itchy and Scratchy land. Uh, and there's all the robots of Itchy and Scratchy that then turn on the guests in the park. And it's kind of a ref riff on Jurassic Park. But also it works. It functions like a zombie movie because the robots are everywhere and they're trying to escape from them. Uh, and I like something like that where you take like a ton of robots or a ton of something else, but make it function like a zombie movie. That can be a fun inversion on that. Um, and I had one more. Oh, and finally, like my pet idea, which is flip it. The zombies are your main characters. Zombies are just trying to live their lives and it's living humans that are the problem trying to kill them all the time. And they're just trying to get away from the, yeah. the living people. Like that's the idea I've always Or is there one where the only zombies are animals? That only animals are zombies. Ooh, no, I don't know, but that would be cool. Yeah, where it's yeah. just animals dying and they're turning into zombies. And so just... zombie bears and stuff are coming after <laughs> yeah. people. Like that would be awesome. Yeah, I like yeah. that too. Maybe it's just the extinct animals. Like it's sort of like uh, a oh my god. Yeah, like a bunch of dodos come <laughs> that just eat people. <laughs> or like, like woolly that. mammoths. Like zombie woolly mammoths. Yes. I don't know that I want to watch Street Fighter, but I'd hang out with you guys and watch anything. So Yeah, we could watch some bad movies. That's, Finish him. That's Street Fighter, video. right? That's Mortal Kombat. Oh. <laughs> they're all like the same shit. It's all based on just kung fu, violent kung fu movies that they used to make back in the day, which were like, that's what you watched them for, is for the, the extreme violence that okay. put in there. Okay. So, yeah. Well, I have a telegram from Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Who Awesome. Writes? 
Hey guys, I always appreciate each episode and episode 72 was no different. What makes your podcast stand out is the wonderful rapport you have with each other and the jovial, unassuming, yet honest way you discuss each movie. I almost choked when you mentioned Butt Monster. It was a quirky and highly unique good time. As far as The Mist goes, I am somewhere in between you both. I don't love it, but I don't hate it. There are many stronger Stephen King titles. I mentioned recently that I don't like The Shining movie, but the novel is my favorite King title. Jeremy, if you haven't read it, I definitely recommend it. In other news, I finally watched Hagazusa. I believe I'm pronouncing that correct. What did you think of the movie? I'm definitely not a fan. Friends keep comparing it to The Witch, and that should have warned me off viewing it because I just didn't connect it all with that movie. Till next time, thanks for the episodes, and please keep them coming. Love to you both, Teacher Drew and Phoenix. Have you read The Shining? I can't remember. I read The Shining, like, in early high school. Uh, and I feel like a lot of the weight of the story was lost on me because it was just, you know, I don't know. I was like, eh, it's, it was OK. Like and then I later as I got a little because I'm talking like I was in like maybe even middle school. I was in like eighth grade or ninth grade when I read it. So I feel like it just didn't connect for some reason. Uh, and I've never read it since. But I've read plenty of other Stephen King, you know, since and then stuff that's been adapted to movies. So I need to revisit The Shining and really, yeah. really read it. I read it as a kid, as a youngster, and um, not to get too graphic here, but what I remember is how turned on I was by it. <laughs> Stephen King's very descriptive, and he talks about male genitalia and things like that. And I a think lot. I should have. He known. does it a lot. <laughs> he does it a lot, but The Shining is, um, I have very specific memories about it. <laughs> Again, uh -huh. I won't get too much into it because. I know we have all sorts of people listening to us, um, but I it, definitely that was some of my sexual awakening was the Shining novel. Which oh wow, is so weird. Yeah, <laughs> but it speaks to who I am as a person. I'm a, a sick motherfucker, so yep. I blame mm -hmm. I blame the Shining. Yep, <laughs> and Stephen King. Um, but Hagazusa, I've been very interested to watch. It I don't even know anything about it. I know that it's about a witch and it's foreign. I think it might be on Shutter now. I know I initially downloaded it. It was like a gigantic file. I remember that, and I feel like it's long. But I'm. I'm intrigued, but I liked The Witch. I know it's not everyone's cup of tea. I know lots of people love it, of course, but it is definitely, you know, it's, it's, uh, sure. Yeah. It, it's, See, it, it's, I, I don't want to say boring, but like, it, I, I think that it can be a challenging watch. Sure. The dialogue yeah. and the language and such. I'm not saying that's what teacher drew, what didn't, what he didn't Connect. like about it, but. But yeah, I, I, it can be a bit of a challenge. And Hagazusa is actually not that long. It's an hour 42. But I, from what I've heard, I've heard mixed things. But I I think that there's not a ton of talking. Yeah. That's all I know. Okay. Yeah, I, I just looked up the poster. I've seen the poster, but I know like very little about the movie. But and, and the opposite, you know, from Teacher Drew saying like, people compared it to The Witch, so that should have warned me. And then, then that makes me interested because I freaking love The Witch. Uh, and... I don't know. So that makes me interested in this. And I'm like, I love that period of like history and folklore of uh, like witchcraft and learning about witch trials and things like that. I took a class in college that was called the history of witches and witchcraft. Oh, oh. Uh, and it was a history course that focused on like we learned all about Salem 
Uh, and then in Europe, like uh, there was a series of witch trials like across Europe and we delved deep into the history where like all this stuff we take for granted now is like, that's the folklore of witchcraft you learned was actually made up by like inquisitors that were going after people like back in the day, like everything we kind of take is like, well, that's what witches do. Like that was made up by the dudes who wanted to then punish people by saying like, ah, you were cavorting with Satan and black masses happen this way and blah, blah, you know, all that stuff. But uh, I'm just fascinated by it. And Robert Eggers made a movie that was literally just like, oh, it's all the shit I learned about. And he turned it into a movie. Cool. Now, I have a question for you, since you seem so knowledgeable on this, because I remember, I feel like I heard this at one point, and Mm -hmm. it was a long time ago, and I've never really looked into it since, um, but something you said sparked it in my head. I have heard that the... The the idea of witches flying and brooms comes from the fact that people, w- women who um, practiced witchcraft would create these sort of um, like potions and things that would have like hallucinogens in them and they would have like put it on their broom and they would like masturbate with the broom. <laughs> that is there is that ringing any sort of bells? That, like, yes, it does. That, it that comes- flying thing would come from them getting high off of this like drug that they mixed up. Yeah, there, there, yeah, there, there is this idea that, um, well, witchcraft practice, uh, like for real, like stuff we call witchcraft, which comes from like a bunch of like different pagan, um, actual like folk practices and stuff. Like a lot of shit goes back to like the Vikings because they were really big on like folk magic. Uh, they would mix up like hallucinogens, and that was part of like ritual religious practice to like you know just commune with the gods and you know mm-hmm. have a have a spiritual awakening um but yeah the masturbating with the broom uh that is something that floats around out there i don't know if people know if it's for real or if okay. it's some weird thing like and you know because but i didn't women, make that up in my head you've heard that. you didn't make it up no it's floating around out there because okay. i think some scholars argue it's part of the whole like misogyny of it you know because women's sexuality is such a feared mm-hmm. thing from like back then that mm-hmm. they're like and these women are doing this and this should piss <laughs> us all off that they're trying to you know pleasure themselves but yeah it could be real could be i got a little flush in the face when i was talking about that i got a little embarrassed a little embarrassed did you oh man (laughs) but i mean i could see it making sense but also i could see like some guy fucking making that shit up so yeah it a lot of it is hard to tell at this point because we're talking like the 15th century and shit that's like the 1400s that's a long ass time ago so the the telephone game of history it kind of becomes lost as to like was this something somebody made up or was there a kernel of truth in here so and you know what i've been wondering after we saw x how we there seem to be a lot of films that like are made now that take place in a time pre cell phones so that like you know it just makes it a little like you can't how can you call someone how can you get help and i just wonder if we're gonna be at a point well i don't want i'm sure we will be at a point in the future where they set movies in the times we are now because of how unavailable things are compared to how they will be eventually if that all makes sense yeah exactly <laughs> where, where where it'll be will be even more connected so it will be like impossible to get lost or like separate <laughs> from be people like, oh social media and like yep. texting and stuff like how quaint and how like how yep. pedestrian and yep. ancient 
<laughs> they'll have to set up because they're they'll be like man you can't stalk anyone on social media anymore because we can see what everyone's doing all the time oh so, god so creepy but it's yeah, gonna it's, happen it's gonna happen so it will be like oh you can't get unknown calls anymore or whatever because <laughs> everything's like locked to you like genetically when they implant oh a phone god. like in your brain ah! you know shit like that i'm sure so oh my god well thank you teacher drew and thank you bert for writing in you too listener can write in and <laughs> we will talk about you we will discuss whatever you write about we love you so yeah. scaring is sharing at gmail.com or follow us on insta scaring is sharing all one long word get to us <laughs> get at us have you watched anything this week no me either well, we've no. talked long enough. Yeah, we have. It's been it's been slow. I haven't had time for anything. So I don't. Whose fucking turn is it? I I go first this time, uh, and I'm delivering on a promise from episodes ago. I am giving you Maniac Cop Two. Oh, you are delivering uh, or so. taking away. My yeah, precious you'll time. We'll find out. <laughs> we'll see if you're. <laughs> I I mean, I personally think it's you know better than the first one but you had all right you had to have the preamble of the first one to like fully get the second one so yeah i mean i think that it's gonna be just like the first one but i think that from what i from what i remember of um in search of darkness i think two i think that it ups the ante on everything the gore i you know there's no more like ooh, what does the maniac cop look like like we know what he looks like and we're gonna see a lot more of him and i think that the kills are gonna be better and i think it's gonna be a better movie cool i feel like bruce campbell's in it but i feel like he dies in the beginning i feel like that's what i remember hearing so that's what i'm gonna go with more kills better kills less bruce campbell wait because bruce campbell's in the first one right am i crazy yes yeah, yeah no he's, you're right he's it's... like the, the lead cop and he like, kind of turns into the, the hero hearing. Remember, weirdly, where yes. you're like, I don't know who the hero of this movie is supposed yes. to be. And then all of a sudden, it's just Bruce Campbell by the end, where you're like, okay, that was yep. kind of a clumsy way to get there. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. And I haven't seen it because, you know, why would I have if I've never seen Maniac Cop 1? But no. um, but I, I'm I'm excited to watch it. I think it's going to be better. So cool. I sure hope you it. like it. Cool. cool. I am giving you... My heart can't beat unless you tell it to. Oh, and all I know about this thing is that that guy that we just saw in X <laughs> is in it. And uh, you were very uh, swooning of this movie. So uh, I don't know anything about it. I think it's it's got a title that makes me think of like a Jalo movie. Like they're trying to uh, reference that sort of thing. So maybe it's like a Jalo, a murder mystery of some sort where a masked killer is menacing and killing people. Okay. And there's going to be some kind of crazy twist as to who the identity is. So. <laughs> well, cool. I think it's on Shutter. Cool. I think. We'll find but out. Yes. I'll yeah. track it down. Yeah. Awesome. Well, sweet. Well, let's watch them. And you too, listener, go watch them and come back and let's, let's uh, chat about them. Yeah. See, don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. <laughs> are back with our movie viewing having yeah, been completed back. i don't know where i'm going with that intro <laughs> sorry and maniac cop is back as well 
Yeah, with a uh, with a rap theme song. What did you at the end of the movie? Did you watch the credits? Oh no. Oh okay. <laughs> well, spoilers, people. There's a whole maniac cop rap song at the end of the, <laughs> during the end credits. Wow. It's very cheesy, very '80s hip hop. So. Is it DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince? I I wish it was, but I don't I don't remember who it is. And it's about the maniac cop. Yep. Oh. Yep. They pretty much just summarize the plot of the movie in rap form. Wow. That's. Yep. Do they talk about the two dead boys. Yeah. Yeah. They use that in there. Is that an actual thing? I think that is an actual nursery rhyme. I thought okay. I read that somewhere, or they maybe made it up. I don't remember. All right, well, tell us what this movie's all about. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. You know, you clicked on the thing. The first movie is Maniac Cop 2, directed by Bill Lustig, who directed the first one, of course, and back again. Uh, And also written by Larry Cohen, who also wrote the first one. So the tagline is, you have the right to remain silent forever again (laughs) and the plot description is a supernatural maniac killer cop teams up with a Times square serial killer wow that's pretty succinct and that's pretty much it and i knew what this movie was all about i mean there's not Mm -hmm. a lot to it but i did know the you know i knew what was gonna happen with our previous hero and i guess i i mean I would rather it the way it was here where they had the two leads in and then they get killed off (laughs) than Mm -hmm. to not have them at all. Spoilers, guys. Spoilers. Do you know, did Bruce Campbell, like, was he obligated to do it? Was he too busy? Do you know what, why? So what I have heard, and this is kind of pieced together from both uh, an interview or two I've seen with Bruce Campbell uh, and like a little thing I was just reading online. So apparently when the movie started like production, Bruce Campbell was going to reprise his role as like the hero of this movie. But I guess money wise, uh, it was a similar salary to the first one. And Bruce Campbell was like, nah, I've, you know, my profile has increased a bit. uh, And if you want all the the time it takes me to dedicate to this, you got to, you got to up that salary. Uh, and they never came to an arrangement. So he said, fine, uh, kill me off then. Okay. Uh, and so that's literally what happened where he he said he couldn't commit all the time it would take unless they paid him more money uh, sure. and they couldn't do it. So they they were like, fine, okay, you get to get killed off. Now, the extra thing I was reading is that apparently he was going through a messy divorce at the time. So that was part of uh, his decision-making, it would appear. So Now, do you know much about the short film of this that was made in... 2008 no i know nothing about it other than i saw the name pop up uh while i searched this on like letterboxd yeah i just saw it on imdb and i think i read some of the letterboxd reviews so i was just curious i don't know where you can find it. i didn't look on youtube or anything but it sounds like it's just that scene from the first one where the the woman gets killed sort of that first kill scene Mm. but Mm -hmm. why i don't know why it seems so queer but this one is so fun. It really, I mean, you you said it before. I thought you'd see like a lot more of his face and you really don't. It's like they didn't have like the budget to do it. Like when he's on fire, I felt like he looked like Ichabod Crane with like the pumpkin head. Like it, he looked like uh-huh. a jack-o'-lantern or kind of like Leslie Vernon. Is that what that movie's called? The Rise and Fall Behind the Mask? 
Yeah, behind the mask, the rise of the rise of Leslie Vernon. It kind of reminded me of that mask too. But I thought I'd see more yeah. of his face. I was kind of hoping it might be a little gorier, but it was so much fun. That I mean, it is worth it for that car <laughs> scene alone. The car scene is incredible. It's got to be like, like the car one chase. of the craziest. I don't know if that's the quite the right word for it. Sort of. Yeah, but it's sort of a car chase. But yeah, uh, you know, she's handcuffed brilliant. to the side of a car, just hilarious. careening through traffic. Yeah, it's incredible. Oh like my God. the action pieces in this movie alone are worth the price of entry that when he goes to the police station and shoots up the whole police station is just incredible. The, uh, when they make it to sing, sing and he's lit on fire and just walking through the prison, killing dudes on fire. Is that a real uh, thing? So sing, sing. Yeah. Sing, sing. Yeah. That's a, that's a famous prison. And it's like, I'm singing a song, sing, sing. Yeah, it's just oh, the word sing, so sing twice. Weird. How have I not heard of this? Uh, you don't watch enough old-timey crime movies, apparently. But it's called Sing Sing, and it's a prison. It just seems yep. like something you should know about. Sing Sing Correctional F- Facility uh, is a maximum security prison operated by the state of New York. Huh. So there you go. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and, I- and it was originally called Osinning. Osinning correctional facility so uh, huh. i am assuming a sing sing is a nickname yeah it's a, it's a name derived from the original indian name for the area so yeah and our two heroes i think are just uh more likable i mean it's hard because i know robert davy i think that's his name who plays mckinney davy davy thank robert you davy. i know davy. him from the yep. goonies that's the only thing i know him from and he's a bad guy so it's hard to like get behind him as a hair as a hero but I, yeah. I liked him a lot and i particularly liked like the the therapist gal i loved her yeah uh she is of uh star trek fame so oh. uh yeah a couple couple cult actors there um yeah and i like that <laughs> The first movie was a little more like slasher movie by numbers. Uh, and then this movie is kind of like the comic book action version of that, where it's similar plot, but they really scaled up the the uh, uh, the tropes you'd find from like a horror or uh, from a uh, like an action 80s action movie or a cop drama. Because Robert Davi's character is just straight up like, I'm a badass cop and I don't I take the book and throw it out the window. I don't need that. So. Uh, but you know, as the movie progresses, he does have a bit of a character arc. Like, I feel like he's played well enough that you start to come around to him. He's less of a two dimensional character by the end. Yeah. It's, it's just so much fun. And like you said, there are many scenes that are just very well done and very fun. Like it is just fun with a capital F and a capital U and a capital N. Yeah, and as twisted as it is, every time I rewatch it, I'm always taken by the friendship of the maniac cop and the serial killer. And I'm like, this is actually kind of sweet when they like meet and, you know, he takes him, the serial killer takes him to his lair where he's like, it's okay that you don't talk too much because I talk to myself a lot. So it's, you know, and it's, he's just trying so hard to connect with this other maniac, two maniac killers like connecting with each other. They're just, I don't know. Every time I'm like, this is so well done and funny and weird. Yeah, I didn't mind that so much. But like when he takes, I think it's Riley, Susan Riley, maybe is like the the female lead, the heroine. Mm -hmm. When I just 
there's just never been a moment where he doesn't kill someone right away. Like, I, I just, like, and I get, like, he was trying to get into Sing Sing or whatever, but, like, I just, I went, like, just kill her. Or, I don't know. Like, it just seemed weird that he just brought her along for the ride. Yeah. Plot twists. <laughs> but I, I wanted, I kept meaning to look up the Two Dead Boys poem because I kind of wanted to know what it meant. Because it's like two dead boys mm-hmm. like kill each other and then a cop comes and kills them is like the gist of it. Yeah. But I don't understand what the fuck that means. I'm looking it up. Yeah, because they draw swords, but they shoot each other. Yeah, but I don't know what that says means. The, they drew their swords and shot each other. And the deaf policeman heard the noise came and shot the two dead boys. If you don't believe this lie is true, ask the blind man. He saw it, too. I think it's just supposed to be funny. It's supposed to be funny? Yeah, because none of it makes sense. Because how could the deaf policemen hear them? How could they shoot each other with swords? Uh, and then that last line is, if you don't believe this lie is true, ask the blind man. He saw it too. Hmm. Blind man can't see it. So it's just well, like I, a it weird... It seems uh, like it's deep and not silly, but I don't get it. I feel like there's a deep yeah. meaning to it. Okay. But I don't fucking know what it is. Yeah, I'm reading an analysis here that says each line is a total impossibility. And as the poem moves along, the impossibilities get larger and larger. So I think it's the idea in the movie, the context is the fact that Cordell is back from the dead. Like, how how is that? It's impossible. So I think that's what they're playing off of is uh, without giving any... Because uh, that's the thing. Both these movies give you no... They don't waste time on like, it was this or that, or he was never actually... You know, he's just there. It's just a reality that he's somehow back from the grave for revenge and they just have to deal with it, so. And I thought it was funny when they go to Sing Sing that, mm-hmm. like, the criminals could have, like, closed their cells and survived, but they just, like, leave them open. And there's just so <laughs> many... <laughs> And it's just because usually, you know, in movies, it's like the teenagers running in the woods, you know, or like fall and trip. And here I'm like, you you could be protected and you're criminals. So yeah, it's whatever. hardened criminals that are just like, oh, no, <laughs> we shouldn't have set him on fire. But it was fun when he's on fire and everyone's getting set on fire so yeah. quickly and just so much fun. It's super cool. Uh, another fun little bit of casting trivia here. The serial killer character, mm-hmm. uh, Turkel, played by Leo... Or Theo, Theo, Theonardo DiCaprio. Yeah, Theonardo DiCaprio, who played him. Uh, sorry, Leo Rossi. That character was supposed to be played by Joe Spinell from Maniac. Oh, interesting. And so leads me to believe that it would have just been his character from Maniac, which oh. would have been a cool crossover. But unfortunately, he died before production of this movie. So. <sighs> And I just wonder, like, because prior to this, like, the Maniac Cop or Cordell would, like, just kill everybody in a situation, like, kill the criminal, kill the the victim. Mm-hmm. And I just, it, I just didn't see the reason why he didn't do that with with this guy. Yeah, I feel he loves, like like rapist. I mean, I guess we don't know that the guy was rapist. He just had a thing for these ladies yeah. and he strangled them but and he murdered them and murdered um them. i feel like it was there was a little more tact to cordell in this one because in the first movie yeah he he seems to just kill whoever you know get in his way you're dead but this movie i feel like each piece they set up because he doesn't just kill the the robber the liquor store in the beginning but he sets the guy up to get killed so i feel True. like there's a little more 
like a plan like he's the joker or some shit he's got these bigger plans of like you're right kill cops but also like set up situations to make the police look ineffective or whatever it feels more like he's playing with the system in a way so i feel like befriending the serial killer uh is a bigger motive of like i can spread more chaos by being teamed up with a guy that's also a maniac killer okay i'll take it that's my thought. Maybe I'm going deeper than they actually thought, but I felt like they're trying to give him a little more like motivation to fuck with the system this time around. Cause then he changes his mind at the end when they're like, we were wrong. Sorry. We, <laughs> we framed you. Uh, you, sh-. and then he's all like, okay, fuck everybody. Now I, I can kill all the rest of these guys and just I- apparently not die in peace though, because his hand comes out of the coffin for that final jump scare. So I, I guess he's not at rest. I did jump there, even though you know it's coming. And I also jumped mm-hmm. when, like, the, I think, I don't remember who, I think it's the other guy, the other serial killer, like, jumps through the window. Yeah. There's, like, a, a jump scare yeah. there, and it got me. Yeah, there is. In, in, yeah, when she doesn't let him through the door, and then he just comes through the window, and you're like, holy crap. Now, how is three? I've never seen three. And That's crazy. I've heard Why a lot not? of people. I just never caught up to that one because I I heard so many um, bad things about it. Like fans of the series in general kind of write off three. I know there's a few defenders out there I've seen here or there, but most people are just like three was unnecessary. It's a series that was like one was good, two was better. And that's all that needed to be said, I guess. And I guess, yeah, one or two is technically a, a 90s movie, which is weird. Yeah. And three also has the distinction of Bill Lustig came back again, is still like credited as director, but he had, he had massive uh, creative differences with the producers in production, and he left the movie in the middle of production, so it got finished by like the producers. Uh, so uh, it's not seen as like his project, per se. And on IMDb, there's also a listing of like a, a series that's in development they announced that initially there was going to be a remake movie and then they said it's going to be an hbo you know event series limited series or whatever the hell you want to call those uh but nothing really has come of it other than nicholas winding refn is attached to it yeah who's uh, that? so that he did um the movies drive bronson Interesting. Uh, neon demon oh i do love neon demon yeah, so he's known for his heady, weird. Yeah, I love heady and weird stuff. So yeah. Well, I hope that happens. I would like to see an update. I would be very curious about it. Bring it, please, mm-hmm. Nicholas yeah. Winding Raffin. I hope they make it. I do I've been, too. I've been dying for. I've been dying for it. So uh, I, I feel like this is a property that's ripe for a reboot or a remake, uh, especially in today's you know social climate. You could yes. do probably some cool social commentary with it. So definitely uh, somebody I could see like Jordan Peele grabbing a hold of this and mm. developing it or, you know, one of these socially minded uh, creators like that, that does these great social fables. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I see. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's it. I mean, this thing's just a blast people. It's just, a, <laughs> it's it just a lot of fun. Uh, so out of five, nightsticks with knives inside of them because mm. <laughs> that's a pretty cool little weapon knife sticks knife sticks how many do you give it i'm gonna give it three and a half i was gonna give it three 
because I enjoy it. Mm-hmm. I love it. But that car chasing deserves an extra half. So I'm going to go three and a half. What do you give it? I am going to go four. Okay. Four. Because I got to stand by my, I still think it's better than the first one. I think it's a movie oh, yeah. that overall is an improvement from the first one. So I think I gave the first movie three and a half. So four for this one. Well, that's awesome. Well, that gives us one. Scare of approval. Scare of approval. And I gave the first one three. So that makes sense. That I like it makes this one sense. More. So ch- check it out, guys. Yeah. If you liked the is. first one, you'll probably enjoy this even more. So yeah. watch Maniac Cop 2. On to our next movie. My heart can't stop beating unless you talk to it and <laughs> make it. My heart can't beat unless you tell it to from That's it. I mean, Letterbox says 2020, but it came out last year. And the tag okay. or the there is no tagline, but the description on Letterboxd is Dwight and his sister Jesse reach a crossroads over what to do about their little brother Thomas, a sickly child with a mysterious affliction. I wouldn't go call him a child. I or a, a mysterious affliction. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, okay. Can we... First off, I was totally wrong about this movie. It's got nothing to do with Jalo. It's got a long title that made me think of Jalos because they usually have like a sentence for a title. But yeah, spoilers. Can we spoilers? Because I yes. mean, once you start watching well, this first, movie, you're going to know what's going on. You are. But I guess first, did you like it? I, okay. <laughs> I wanted to build up to this. Because this movie gave me a couple of like interesting uh mental journeys i took with this movie was one i was afraid i was gonna have to come on here because about halfway through this thing i'm like i really don't like this movie (laughs) i'm not enjoying this because you know what it kind of reminded me of raw and i knew you hated raw or didn't like raw but like there were vibes and i was like "Mm, it's gonna go one way or another so keep going yeah, so I was afraid I was going to come on here. And this was like the halfway point of the movie. So I was afraid I was going to have to come on here and be like, it wasn't like terrible. I just didn't click with this movie and didn't enjoy my time. The last half hour, suddenly everything clicked and the movie hit me like emotionally. So I loved it. But it took like watching the whole fucking movie before the ending where I was like, wow. Because most of it, I was just like, I don't know how I feel about this thing. I don't think I like this thing. Uh, and then all of a sudden I just, liked it but probably in the last half hour i don't know things started falling into place where i started really vibing with it it's a quiet movie yeah very quiet and playing off of that too i feel like this is the kind of movie there are certain movies that strike me as under the right circumstances like it would be the super powerful thing and this is the sort of movie that when i looked it up online and saw that it oh it lived a life in film festivals I'm like that makes perfect sense like this feels like the kind of movie where i want to be in some little art theater with a bunch of horror loving like movie hipsters uh and we all experience it together uh and i feel like that would add to the experience and the power of it like you you were in a little secret club and saw something you know the rest of the world has no idea about and you guys get to all walk away and share that like that's the kind of movie this felt like to me. and i don't know i know that we haven't said sort of explicitly what's going on here in the movie but i don't know that it is like oh don't spoil that i'm gonna but say go it. he's a vampire <laughs> <laughs> i mean he needs blood to survive and the sun burns sunlight him. kills him <laughs> yeah 
<laughs> it's a it's a vampire movie. That struck me too as like this felt like a movie that literally feels like it came out of a couple of different like thought experiments or like philosophical questions where where were they sitting around like okay number one like how do we write a vampire movie that's not like a vampire movie are we just like totally dance around that subject matter without making it explicit and number two like i want to do a story about how how far would you go for your family like to protect to help to save your family and i feel like that's really all this movie is is those two ideas combined and then he he created this he wrote but i'm all for both of those ideas i would say i think both are incredible if you love let the right one in i recommend watching this movie because it's very similar vibes in regards to her initial like keeper or whatever Mm -hmm. you would want to call him i can't remember his name but it is sort of like about that kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. But however, like I also loved that, like we never see Thomas, who is that Owen Campbell from X. Like he never has like a red eyes, scary. And I think that's very unique and original that he never has that moment where his claws come out, his yeah. fangs come out. It's he's so gentle and so just sad. Like I just feel so much for him. And I just really appreciate, and I'm not, I didn't even really realize it until right now as I'm talking about it, that he doesn't have a moment where the monster comes out. He just likes to drink no. the blood and he gets a little angry at one point because he doesn't have friends and they won't let him like go outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but like, he doesn't like, like I said, he doesn't turn into a monster. Yeah. The closest thing we get to like classic vampirism is, you know, spoilers again, people, spoilers abound. Towards the end of the movie, when he's drinking the blood from his sister's neck in a classic, you know, Dracula yes. pose, and that's it. Uh, and but that doesn't feel like unearned or you know whatever. Like everything works in this movie. It does that doesn't feel out of character or weird. Yeah, you don't see his like fangs coming out of her neck though. Like you never see fangs. No. I mean, aside from the sun nope. and the fact that he obviously likes drinking blood, like those are the two vampire-y things. But I appreciate yep. that simplicity in that regard. Cool. Much like zombies, I feel like vampires are another well, super well-trod movie yes. genre subject, subgenre of horror. So it always becomes what can I do that's an interesting spin that people haven't seen. And this movie really does it. And I love, um, you've already, we've already said the word a million times, spoilers, but I love when his sister dies and she's like, we shouldn't let it go to waste, meaning the blood, like, please drink my blood. Like, we're privy to that moment. So we know when the brother walks in, like, she pretty much was like, drink my blood. Like, she told him. Mm-hmm. And he didn't prior to that. I also loved that, that he wasn't like, <sighs> like, licking his lips when she's in the bathtub. Like, it was more about his sadness for her dying. Like, he never, you didn't see him mm-hmm. fighting the urge to want to drink the blood, even if that was an aspect. Like, I loved that that didn't happen. But then I love the choice to have the brother come in and be so angry at him for like drink, because he didn't know that she was, that she had pretty much died, that she was dead and that she'd been like, drink my fucking blood. <laughs> like I just mm-hmm. loved the, like the complications of 
that moment and the like fallout from that. I just think it was just so good. And I love the very end too. Like there's a, I'm free and then I'm alone and just it's simple and sad and beautiful. <sighs> and I just, and I love Patrick Fugit, Almost Famous. It's one of my favorite movies. Don't watch Licorice Pizza, watch Almost Famous because <laughs> I find them similar in the coming of age sort of tale in like the 70s or whatever. And um, and I love him in that movie. He's just brilliant. And it was so good to see him with like a dad bod. And like, I just love him. He's so good. So a couple of things. Yeah, that ending. I got emotional. It it The very ending of that realization on his face that he made it to the ocean the shore whatever he made his little escape that he'd always dreamed of uh and then just that realization that he's totally alone and isolated and you're like man where do you go from here because you've had to kill people (laughs) and do all this awful shit we've seen beforehand like how do you just live your life now and you're no longer have your companions through all of that your siblings so brutal ending (laughs) uh and the second thing is a confession this is the first movie with Patrick Fugit I've ever seen. You have not seen Almost Famous? Jer- I've never seen uh, any other me. film he's in. I looked at his filmography and I'm like, I don't know who this guy is. And I'm like, yep, I've oh. never seen any of these movies. I feel like you'd really like Almost Famous. It is brilliant. Kate Hudson. It's a movie where performance of her I've lifetime. seen a couple like scenes of it. Sure. Never watched the movie. Oh, and I know as like a rock God. and roll like hipster guy, yeah. I should have seen this because yeah. it'd be my jam. So I got to check it out. Oh my God, you must. And he is just so flawless in it. Really, it's it's a near perfect movie. I absolutely love it so much. That's what I've heard from many people. I like the sister. Her name is Ingrid Sophie Schramm. And I thought she kind of reminded me of Tony Collette sometimes, like a young Tony Collette. And I don't yeah, know that I've ever yeah. seen her in anything either. I, but she, I liked her a lot. And I like, again, that she's sort of complicated. It doesn't feel like, like, because if you're going to pick someone who is like the villain of this story, it's her. But you also don't mm-hmm. like hate her. Like, although I just, oh my God, I, I, I don't know. I find the movie very quiet, but it's just always filled with attention to me. Like, I'm just always mm-hmm. sort of a little bit on edge, which I, I love that, that it can be so quiet and simple, but just have me like, ooh, bubbling yeah. up inside. Yeah, and, uh, Another scene, too, that I feel is so powerful and really fucked me up, like, emotionally watching it, is when the kid he throws the paper plane to, mm-hmm. the brother mm-hmm. Tommy, uh, comes back uh, to the house and he, like, invites him in to actually, like, try and have a friend. But what he does is like, we're going to play this stupid game that makes no sense to anybody but me and my siblings. Because uh, this is the only way I know how to connect to people. Like, clearly, I've been living this life for a long time. So this is all I know how to do. And this guy's just like, this is fucking dumb. Like, what is this that yeah. you're trying to make me do? And you can see him struggling so hard where he's just like, why don't you love this? Like, this is what people do. And not knowing that, you know, he's just yeah. lived this isolated life for so long that. He can't even connect with this guy as bad as he wants friends. Like there's just no way for him to connect with him. Oh, that whole scene just breaks my heart. And the whole thing to me, just like I was so heartbroken watching all of this and knowing that it's all going to end poorly, probably. But yeah, that whole scene's a little fascinating to me because 
the kid doesn't ever seem to be like making fun of it. He even tries the blood and doesn't say like, Ooh, is that blood? Like, and freak out on it. Yeah. Like, like, it's just so weird. Like that whole scene is just so weird. I'm like, is this kid, even though we saw him with friends, is he just as lonely? Like, why would you go to the house unless you were like, I don't know. And then he sticks around. Like he's just so fascinated by him. And I, it almost felt, and I know it's nowhere in here. It's literally just my subtext. Like he's like a little gay boy and maybe he, I don't know. It just felt like that to me. Like I said, it's not in there at all, but it just sort of felt like like he was maybe fascinated by him in some sort of attraction way to stick around that long. But who knows? I don't know. He was a yeah. kid. Because I, I just read it with uh, with a, like an outsidery subtext where I'm like, you know, they don't look like just watching the movie. They don't look like they're in a great neighborhood and all that. So maybe he's just a kid with a crap home life and, mm -hmm. you know, he's looking for any excuse to be out and away from whatever he's running from so and you know i didn't think about the bechdel test and maniac cop 2 there's really just the one conversation between the two women before they go out in the car but i don't i think they talk about cordell i don't and and maybe Bruce campbell i read a some user on letterboxd had a review about maniac cop 2 though that said this movie passed the bechdel test and oh I was like, that's amazing oh, whoa, somebody i meant, to, I meant somebody to go back and did, watch so. this yeah, one apparently does. But it's very yep. like, it's like, hi, we're talking about a hotel room. Hi, we're talking about, can I use your bathroom? Hi, can we talk about, you know, your order? Which, as mm -hmm. Tess said, it should be that women can have such minor converse or like trivial conversations that they don't have to be around a guy. I just, yeah. as I mentioned in our episode with Tess, I feel like the conversation should have to be like three minutes. Like it should have to be a substantial conversation to pass. And I don't think that's a part of any of the 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 official rules of the Bechtel test. Yeah. But here it's like all these conversations were maybe a minute, but if yeah. you're, if there is no time limit, this movie passes the Bechtel test and I forgot about it until now. So I'm going to have to go back and watch that scene of maniac cop too. Yeah. Double check it. But somebody on letterbox claimed it did. So maybe okay. it does pass the Bechtel test, which this would movie, be cool. It would be. <laughs> this movie also made me think about aspect ratios, which there's another yeah. reason I've been thinking about that, which I'll touch on in our next episode. But because okay. the the aspect ratio here is so interesting. And I looked it up on IMDb. It's a 137 to 1, or I don't know if that's how you say it or not, but I thought it yeah. was an interesting yeah. choice. 4-3 is the simplified name of that. That's oh, it standard is? television. Okay. Yep. yep. Oh, it's, okay. Yeah. It's, it, it's either as like point. 37 to one or something like that, oh, yeah, or also known as yeah. also known as four, three, uh, which is, which is old television. That's what that format it's meant to fit on our old box tube TVs that couldn't play widescreen. So, uh, okay. And a lot of old movies are shot that way. Cause that's just the film size of the day. But uh, yeah, all I can think of is that was a stylistic choice to, uh, I saw one reviewer say it really locked you in with the characters, like it felt more personal. So I'm assuming that's what it was to create a narrow, narrower vision uh, mm -hmm. of, you know, focus so that you're in there within this very personal space with these people and this personal story. One review I read on Letterboxd that I really like was from someone named Micah who wrote a pretty solid entry into the I'm a vampire, but there's nothing cool or fun about it. And my sadness is all consuming genre, which I've come to realize yes. I really like that genre. <laughs> That's how I want my vampire and, movies. <laughs> and there's and there's more than a few of them. Yeah. Like even uh, a girl walks yeah, home at it, night. 
is in that sort yeah of genre. girl walks home at night i would say near dark flirts with that uh genre the lost boys even kind of flirts with it like it's close to that because those are movies that the vampires are not glamorous they're monsters they're cool, <laughs> and you don't want to be like them so they're very cool they make them cool and that's that's the attraction i think initially you're like look at these badasses but they actually are empty broken horrible monster people so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that one of the very first lines when he's bringing the guy home and he, the guy says, it looks like a house and Je- or Dwight says it used to be. And I don't know, that just struck me hard this time. Like it isn't mm-hmm. so much a house anymore. It's like, it's not like a home because of yeah, what they no. have to do there and what they do there. Yeah. It's just, and he wants out so bad. I also just love, love, love that we don't know. Like, I just couldn't stop thinking, like, why is Tommy like this? Like, how did this happen? Why couldn't the sister, as she's dying, turn into a vampire as well? Like, Mm -hmm. I just was, like, I loved the idea of what, how do we get here? How did this happen? And I hope that there's never another movie to answer those questions because I love them just being in my head and being unanswered. Yeah, I I, this movie is just kind of perfect the way it is, I think. Yeah. So out of five bowls of blood. Mm. How many do you give? How many am I going to give? I was going to give it one. Yeah. Like I said, I loved it. Uh, And I was going to give it one rating. But as we were talking, as always happens, I want to be more (laughs) generous now because I'm deciding I love this more than I realized as I talked about it. So I'm giving it four and a half. Oh, my. Jeremy, yes. I'm gonna give it four and a half too. I think I gave it four the first time, but I'm gonna give it four and a half because it is really just yeah. so fucking good. Scare of approval. This is another one of those feels like it's gonna stick with me for a minute, and I'm gonna keep thinking about it, and eventually I'll be like, "It's so good, everybody has to see it." So, well, it's on Shutter, so go check it out. Um, if you've made it this far, mm-hmm. you know far too much about it that I wish you didn't yeah. know. But it's still you fucked just up. So you should have turned it off. Yeah, I mean, the one thing we you didn't touch on is listening. like what the brother and sister have to do. I mean, you probably have figured it out, but but yes, it's very yeah. cool, very fun. If I can check it out, scaring us sharing at gmail.com. Follow us on Insta, scaring us sharing, all one word. Hit us up. Keep talking about horror movies, guys. Keep watching them and write to us. Yeah, yeah. write to us. Because scaring is sharing. It sure is. <laughs> God, it sure is, isn't it? <laughs> uh, I don't even know where I'm going with this. It's been a long day, guys. Oh, I'm tired. Well, you know I'm what you should tired. do is just kick back and hail Paymon. That's right, because evil dies tonight. That's right. Uh, bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing. This has been a production of Planet Amp Podcast, powered by Pinecast.